Welcome to Passion of the Geeks Unplugged. I'm Pat and today I want to continue our Lord of the Rings topic from last week with a retro games follow-up. Greg and I already talked about how Jackson's Lord of the Rings movies managed to not only be excellent adaptations but also kind of elevated classic fantasy or Tolkien-esque fantasy to, well, to the next level. I believe that it probably was one of the most important movies to shape the common conscience. The movies shaped the image that everyone only slightly interested in fantasy sees when they think about Middle-earth and probably about elves and dwarves and halflings or hobbits as well much like the Harry Potter movies did with Hogwarts. And this means that most of the visual media released after the movies, mostly comics, games of course, they emulate or imitate Jackson's style, even if they're not directly based on the movies themselves. And with Jackson's style, I of course mean his entire team. He didn't do this alone. And honestly, why not? As I said, the common consciousness had been shaped with the success of the movies. So much actually that even the Hobbit movie had to emulate the Lord of the Rings style as well, even though the book had a vastly different one. But that would be a topic for another podcast, because today I do not want to look at all the media that had been made and published after the movies hit theaters. Today, I'll look at a couple of Lord of the Rings retro games that were free from the shackles of Jackson's visual style. But before we look at some games, let's backtrack a little bit. Because a lot of inspiration obviously comes from painters who had previously brought some of the scenes on canvas. Even Jackson's team took inspiration from some of them. I think we all had a great idea how Bag End looked long before Jackson's movie. And maybe this is in part because Tolkien has a great way to describe his scenes. Or various awesome depictions of a Balrog. Most of them wrong, of course, because Balrogs do not have wings. But we all agree that they just look cooler that way. Anyway, the first game I want to briefly look at is Lord of the Rings Game 1, released in 1985. Or actually, let's look at the whole trilogy, because there isn't all that much I can say about it. They don't have the titles you would expect. The first game was simply named Game 1, even though I have seen some boxes that claim it's named Fellowship of the Ring. The second game, released in 1987, was titled The Shadows of Mordor. Not to be confused with the excellent 2014 game Shadow of Mordor. And then the trilogy was concluded with The Crack of Doom in 1989. They're all sequels to the well-loved Hobbit text adventure of 1982, without much improvement, in my opinion. 
The command parser is a bit more understanding, but the games play sluggishly and the puzzle design was feeling very old even for the second half of the 1980s. Honestly, as much as I love retro games and interactive fiction, I didn't have a lot of fun trying to play through them again. Great box art though. Let's move on to the year 1989 and the game War in Middle-Earth. And on first glance, this might not sound like a Lord of the Rings game, but it actually is. And to some degree, a very faithful one too. It takes the Lord of the Rings and puts it into a strategy game with role-playing elements. 8-bit versions were originally designed by Mike Singleton, at that point maybe best known for Lords of Midnight. I played the Amiga version though, that takes Mike's concept and changes it a little bit. It still feels singleton-y, but in my opinion the 16-bit versions are a little more playable. In this game, it being a strategy game, you control basically everyone. Frodo, Sam, Mary, Pippin, Aragorn, Gandalf, all of them simultaneously. It's a bit hard to explain, but in the end, you have to get the ring to Mount Doom, and while you are on your way there, the five cities must not fall into the hands of Sauron. The rest is your choice. And on the way you meet all the characters from Lord of the Rings, plus some only mentioned in the Silmarillion or The Hobbit. Graphically, the game switches to different map views and a side view where your characters meet others and explore surroundings in an almost adventure game-like manner. It's interesting to see what they try to do with the character designs. They feel very faithful to the books, even though the Nazgul are not on horses in the game and uh, Balrogs not having wings. And yes, Balrogs, plural, as in the game, you could meet several of them. Or maybe it's always the same Balrog, who knows. After all, it does its own thing as well to make it more interesting as a game. But yeah, you can meet Tom Bombadil and Goldberry and Radagast and lots more. And fun fact, for the graphics of Rivendell, they actually used a photo of Castle Fadutz here in Liechtenstein with a bit of mirroring added. So now you know that Greg and I live in Rivendell and our prince is actually Elrond. But let's continue to the next game, simply titled Lord of the Rings Volume 1. It was Interplay's try to get the story of Lord of the Rings into an epic role-playing trilogy. And well, it almost worked. Released in 1990, and stylistically inspired by the Bakshi movie, the game finds a great balance between staying faithful to the books and allowing the player a certain amount of freedom. You need a bit of time to get into the flow of the game, and it's certainly not one of the easiest games, but in the right mindset, this is actually a pretty awesome game. 
The 1993 re-release on CD-ROM added sequences from the Bakshi movie, replacing some really nice cutscene screens, which I think is sad. But it also added an auto-mapping feature, which is very handy, but not really needed. And it added all the text the floppy version asks you to read in your game manual into the game, which is nice. So all in all, the CD version might be the better version. Personally, I prefer the floppy version. In 1992, the sequel was released, Lord of the Rings Volume 2, The Two Towers. And well, it was... Well, worse than the first game. While Volume 1 had a great balance between staying true to the books, but offered the player some freedom and ways to explore in a mostly interesting way, the second felt bland and boring. It still had side quests, but all in all, it's a more linear game. There's nothing wrong with that, it just feels inferior if you have played Volume 1. Also, I feel Volume 1, while not telling the complete story, has a more fulfilling beginning and ending, much like Greg mentioned about the first Jackson movie. In between these two RPGs, there was a game called Riders of Rohan, released in 1991, and that game focuses on the happenings of the two towers, specifically Helm's Keep. It's basically a minigame collection packed into a light strategy envelope. I personally don't like it. I mean, if a Legolas gallery shooter or Aragon one-on-one fighting games hunts like your cup of tea, give it a try. But let's carry on. The next game is Lord of the Rings Volume 1 by Interplay and if you think I'm repeating myself, then let me quickly explain. Interplay made two identically named but very different games. The first one was the RPG released for computers, and I already talked about, but in 1994 they released this different game for the Super Nintendo. It's an RPG too, but plays totally different. You're still taking the part of Frodo, but the SNES game is more of an action-adventure with some light role-playing elements. And it actually looks pretty good. But (laughs) it plays horribly. It's too big and empty, too slow-paced and boring, and the NPC AI is atrocious, especially that from your companions. The game is really not fun at all. A huge wasted potential, sadly. And, well, this would have been the end of Lord of the Rings games if it would not have been for Jackson's movies. It took until 2002, until the next real Lord of the Rings game was released. In the wake of the first movie release, Black Label released their version of Fellowship of the Rings for current generation hardware, meaning 
PC, a PS2, and Xbox, and also a highly modified version for Game Boy Advance. And while not perfect, they actually work quite well and are fun to play in the right mindset. They are basically the last games, not adapting or emulating the Jackson movies. And they are a last look at Lord of the Rings unfranchised. So, this is it for this week. If you liked this episode of Passion of the Geeks Unplugged, let us know. Also, if you don't, give us some pointers how we could improve. We're on all major podcasting services and on www.passionofthegeeks.com. You can send questions and suggestions to passionofthegeeks at gmail.com and you can find us on Twitter at passionotgeeks. And if you want to contact me personally, you can find me on Twitter at pat9496. I would love to hear from you. So, thank you for listening and take care. <laughs>